All right, we're starting a new series today called Unstoppable Power. And it, we're talking about the power of God. And the power of God is truly unstoppable. You can't stop it. Amen? Amen. It's impossible to stop Amen. his power. Amen. We think it's possible, but it's really not possible. Okay? And dealing with power, how many of you want more power in your life? If you're not raising your hands because you did not understand what I just said because you don't understand the English language, <laughs> or you're not paying attention. So let's try again. How many of you want more power in your life? Amen. Now everybody understands. Now everybody has my attention. Good. <laughs> we all do. You know why? Because it's through that power that we are going to see change in our lives. Okay? There's stuff in you that will only change with power. Thank God, God has that power. Amen. And that power is available, and that power is at work in us. Okay? Now, let me ask you this question. Um, does anyone, or do you need the gospel more than anybody else? Do you need the gospel more than anybody else? Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Do you need the gospel? Now, see, that was a tricky question because when I said that, a lot of you thought, wait a minute, but I'm saved. <laughs> How can I need the gospel when I'm saved? <laughs> well, the gospel is not just for salvation. The gospel is for transformation. It's for transforming you. As a matter of fact, the gospel accepts you as you are but doesn't leave you where you are. It doesn't leave you where you are. It accepts you where you are, just as you are, but never leaves you where you are. It's always producing change in your life by the power of the Spirit. Okay? Amen to that? Amen. And you're going to find that the times of your life where you're going to experience the greatest power will be at a time where you're experiencing also the greatest brokenness in your life. You see, I've under, I understand from Scripture that brokenness, a broken heart, works together with the power of God. See, God does not work with the proud. He does not abide and operate with proud people. He works with humble people. Because He is humble. He's high and exalted king of the heavens, and yet he is a humble king. Okay? So for him to break your pride, okay, so his power can be made manifest so you can finally experience weakness, something has to happen in your life. And it's something that's continually happening in order for his power to move in your life. It's called repentance. Repentance. Now, see, when I say the word repentance, a lot of you think, I don't need repentance. I don't have any big sins. No, but you have a string of many small sins. <laughs> you may not be an adulterer or a bank robber or a murderer, but you're a gossiper. You're envious. You stretch the truth, which is called a lie. You're lazy. You don't pray as you ought to. You don't judge others. You're, you're, 
You, you love money. You're fearful. You're anxious. You can't trust God. You doubt him at times. Come on, church. So we're looking at the big sins, but what about the small sins? In God's eyes, they're all sins. And every sin will separate us from God. So God has to show you how bad of a state you are without Christ, <laughs> how pitiful you are, how pitiful we are without the mercy and the righteousness of Christ. Problem is, some of you don't see that. You don't think you're all that bad. When the Bible teaches that you're bad, we're all bad, we fell short of the glory of God. And if it wasn't for Christ's righteousness covering us and his forgiveness of our sins, we would be in really bad shape. But see, we think we, we have this high estimations of ourselves. So when I say repentance, we're like, oh, that's not me. You know, that's the other person that I know that I can give you. I could give you a couple names, Pastor, of people that I know that need to repent. They got some major things in their lives. But, you know, what about you? <laughs> you know, repentance from sin, repentance is not just for those who have the big sins. Repentance from sins is for every person who wants to experience more of the power of God in their lives. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, what is repentance? Let's, let's define what repentance is first, okay? Because some, some of you think that repentance is coming to the altar or crying repeatedly, asking God for forgiveness and turning around and go and do the thing again. That's not repentance, okay? Repentance is not emotional, even though it does carry emotions. But repentance is not emotional, okay? Repentance is not just also turning from sin. Oh, I'm not going to do this anymore, so therefore I've repented. No, that's not repentance. Turning from sin is not repentance. The term repentance in the original language means to change your mind. Amen. To change the way you think. And the, when you change the way you think, your behavior will change. Let's look at Acts chapter 26, verse 20. Acts 26, verse 20. There it says, For those in Damascus, then to those in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and to the Gentiles also, I preach that they should repent and turn to God, and prove their repentance by their deeds. Paul is very clear when he says to prove their repentance. In other words, let's see if their repentance is genuine by the changing of their behavior. You see? So change of behavior will always follow repentance, which follows a change of mind. See what I'm saying? So first you have to work on the change of mind. <laughs> and how do you do that? You work on the change of mind by um, understanding the truth, knowing the truth. The Bible says you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. free. 
So it is impossible for you to change your behavior, your actions, until you change the way you think. <laughs> you know, when you try to change your behavior without first changing your mind, it's called behavior modification. It's called micromanaging your behavior. And that will last too long. You'll find yourself going right back into the same thing that you were before. Because you don't have the power to change you. You may have the desire at sometimes. <laughs> you may even have the willingness at times, but you don't have the power. That power can only come from Christ. Christ Jesus. So, repentance requires a change of thinking, which will lead you to repent, which will lead you to a change of behavior, okay? One will follow the other in that exact order, okay? So let's look at repentance and the connection with salvation. In Acts chapter 2, verse 36, Acts chapter 2, verse 36, it says, here is Peter preaching to Israel, okay, right at the beginning of the book of Acts, where they experienced Pentecost, okay, after Jesus resurrected back to heaven. Verse 36, it says, therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made Jesus, whom you crucified, oh, that's, that's tough, <laughs> who you crucified, he's speaking to the Jews, both Lord and Christ. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brother, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the promise or the gift of the Holy Spirit. So here we see repentance at work. Peter now is preaching to a group of people that he calls <laughs> responsible for murdering Jesus. Now, the Jews are not responsible in a way that we should um, harm them in any way. Because we know that Jesus said to himself, nobody takes my life, I surrender it. So the Jews, just like the Romans, were just a group of people that God allowed to be used to crucify Jesus, to become the Savior of our lives. They're just a group that God used. But this group here was a group of people who did not believe that Jesus was Lord and Savior. Actually, they believed that he was a reviler, a rebellious man who, went, who came to divide the nation. And they wanted him dead. And this is a group of people that was trusting in their system of laws and rules that still today many of them do. So they, they didn't want anything to do with Jesus, much less believe that he was Savior and Lord. So here comes Peter <laughs> and preaches to them. And the moment he preaches to them, and by the way, what Peter preached was what? Was the word of God. It was the truth the truth, not a truth, the truth that Jesus is, as he says, Savior and Lord. 
And how does he know this? Because Jesus had just resurrected from the dead, proving to everyone that he meant what he said. <laughs> and Peter, out of all the, 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 uh, the apostles, was the one who ran, who went back to his business in Galilee and didn't want anything to do with this gospel that Jesus was preaching until Jesus rose from the grave, went over to Galilee, saw Peter. Peter was ashamed of himself, but was restored because Peter, because Jesus restored him. Amen. So Peter had an encounter with Jesus, powerful one. He saw the power. He saw that Jesus was the one, the Messiah. He was the true Savior of Israel and the world by resurrecting from the dead. So he was convinced. Now he's preaching to all the Jews that did not believe. Actually, they wanted to see him dead. And what happens? He's, he tells them the truth. This man that you tried to kill is Savior and Lord. And you know what happened? Peter's, the Bible says here that were, they were cut to the heart. In other words, that message pierced their hearts. And the moment they understood the truth and it registered in their hearts that it was, it was the truth, what was the next thing they said? They said, Where, what do we need to do? What do we need to do? This what do we need to do means what do we need to do to walk away from that unbelief that we are in and embrace this message of the gospel. <laughs> See, when the truth came, they understood it. It registered in their heart. And the next step was repentance. Okay? So Peter called the people that was rejecting Jesus to change the way they saw Jesus, the way they thought about Jesus, okay, to recognize that he is Lord in Christ and to embrace him as their Lord and Savior. <laughs> and when they understood that, that led to what? To repent. And they were baptized. And guess what happened next? They became Christians, believers. But the process is, is here. They heard the message. They understood it, which led them to repentance, repenting from the way they were believing before, and which led them to salvation, the result, a change of life, a change of behavior. Okay? And in Acts chapter 17, verse 30, Acts chapter 17, verse 30, it says, in the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. Wow. <laughs> all people everywhere to repent. So it's not just for the Jew back in Acts chapter 2. It's for everybody, everyone, ages to come. They must repent. They must repent if they want to see the kingdom of heaven. Repent of what? Repent of their idols. Repent of their unbelief. Repent of their walking away from God. Living lives for themselves, selfish lives. The world. And creating their own gods. 
you know, mocking God and, and, and rejecting him, you know, that kind of a lifestyle of deep, deep unbelief. He's, he says he calls everybody in that condition. Just like the Jews wouldn't believe, he's calling everyone, Jews and Gentiles, who are all in the same basket, who do not believe, to hear the message, understand it, repent, and become Christians, be baptized and become Christians. Amen. So, to sum it up, without repentance, you can't be saved. Without repentance, you can't experience new life. You are here today as a Christian, hopefully, <laughs> because one day you saw, you heard, and you understood the truth, and you repented and received Christ. Amen. And there you are, you are today. Amen. So you see the results that come because you heard the truth, you repented, and the power of God came and changed you, made you born again. Amen, Amen church. Amen. Now. If you're thinking that repentance is just for salvation, you're wrong. Because repentance is a lifestyle. Remember what I said in the beginning? If you want to experience the power of God, then there has to be ongoing repentance in your life. God does not work with proud people. Bible says he rejects the proud, but gives grace to the humble. He lifts up the humble, but puts down the proud. And all the trials that he allows into your life, the problems, you know what they're meant to do? <laughs> Humble you. Break you of your pride. <laughs> to lead you to what? Repentance. So you will see him, for example, if you're too proud and, you're, and, and you feel like you're the, your own Lord, you can fix your own problems, that's a spirit of independence and rebellion. So what does he have to do? He's gonna, he has to allow situations to come your way that you have no way of fixing. <laughs> No resources. And then when, when you're at the brink of losing your mind, you say, oh, Lord, help me. <laughs> what did he do? He just broke you. Broke your pride. <laughs> broke your spirit of independence. Broke your, your, your haughtiness. It broke you. So you what? So you would repent of what? Your pride, your independence, your rebellion, and submit to his power and authority. That's repentance. And through that process, you experience his power. So just like a person who is an unbeliever, who does not believe in Christ, also has to repent to be saved, once you're saved, like the majority, if not all of us here today, repentance is now a lifestyle because there, you know, there's still a lot of garbage in you. You know, it's like taking your dog and letting your dog sleep outside for 30 days and then inviting him back into your house. 
in what condition do you think your dog is going to be in? Hungry, full of fleas, smelly, injured. That's us. We carry the bugs of our past, the fleas of our yesterdays, the cockroaches of last year. We got all of that inside. God sees that. And he says, well, let me, I'm going to clean you. But first I have to have you see that you have them. <laughs> first John chapter 1, verse 8. First John chapter 1, verse 8. It says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. So if you're here and you're saying, oh, I don't have, I don't have, I don't sin like so-and-so. Ha-ha. Guess what happened to you? You just deceived yourself. It's no wonder why there's no repentance going on in your life. There's little, no, and because there's no repentance, there's no change. Because repentance equals change. So if you're ever wondering, why doesn't my life ever change? Because God is trying to show you your cockroaches. <laughs> He's trying to show you how many fleas you have. How injured you are. How full of bad habits you have. But you don't see it, so he has to break you. Help you see it. But if you see, actually, don't see. <laughs> uh, there you go. <laughs> but if you see that you, God, you do have sin, and that's not a surprise to God because he knew what he was getting when he saved you. And he says, I'm going to love you anyway. It's not like you have to now feel rejected that God doesn't. No, he loves you. He knew exactly what you were like. And the good news is he is so good, so wise, that he will take your sins and turn it around to show you his grace. Because just by the fact that he saved us with all these sins that we still carry and is working in us to produce repentance... It's nothing but nothing short of his grace. That he, that he believes in us over and over again, and he's continually cleansing us. But the worst place that you can be in is to think that you are sinless. Now, let me bring a little information here. You are sinless in respect to your position in Christ because you have the righteousness of Christ. That's true. If it weren't for that, my friend, you'd be on your way to H-E-L-L. <laughs> Head first. So you're going to heaven because you believed in Christ. Not by works, because you believed. Therefore, he gives you his righteousness. If it weren't for that, my friend, you would be toast. So in terms of your position, position, you have his righteousness. But in terms of your walk, how you behave yourself, how you live, the thoughts that are going on in your head, 
the desires that are taking place in your heart, my friend, that does not reflect at all our position. So God is in, is in the business of changing that part of our lives to reflect what he gave to us, his righteousness. You understand what it is? It's called transformation. But he has to show us we have to see that we have sinned. Because if we see that we are indeed sinful in our walk, in the way we behave and carry ourselves, you know what's going to happen to us? Actually, a healthy thing is going to happen to us. First, we're going to be aware of our sin. You know, if I'm driving down the street and there's a huge pothole that may break my wheel, then the best thing that I can do is know where the pothole is. <laughs> to avoid the pothole. Because if I don't know if it's, it's there, chances are I may go over it and break my wheel. <laughs> so it's a healthy thing to know your sins because the more you know it, the more you can repent from it and avoid it. And secondly, he wants you to know your sins. Why? Because he wants you to be broken. Because the more you know who you are in terms of your sins, the more you'll be grateful for who he is of his grace. And his love for you. Which is missing in many churches today. A grateful heart. Brokenness in spirit. It's because people have forgotten the true message of the gospel. Amen. Amen. So repentance is important. Let's look at Luke chapter 15. And let's look at the passage that I think everybody here knows. And in case you forgot, we're going to read it. It's about the prodigal son. It's the story of the prodigal son which to me is one of my favorite stories when we deal with two things, the love of the Father and repentance, okay? It, let's begin in verse 11. There it says, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had set off to a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country and he began to be in need. There was a severe famine in the whole country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him, who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Now, I don't know if you understand this, but for a Jew to do this, it's very humiliating. A Gentile will, will, will deal with pigs, but Jews won't even eat ham. They won't eat anything that is pork. So for him to be in the pig pen... <laughs> Hungry, the pigs are eating, he's not even eating. 
He doesn't have, the pigs have food, but he, he doesn't have food. This is, this is, I mean, this is as low as you can go as a Jew. Okay? Just want to throw that in there. Verse 17, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I, not even a microwave dinner, my God. I will set out and go back to my father. See? There's repentance. Okay? And say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. Let's stop right there. Notice in the beginning of verse 17, it says, He came to his Senses. Senses, in other words, he came to an understanding. He understood his condition. Understanding is of the mind. He understood. You know, you know what made him understand? He started seeing the pigs. <laughs> Wait a minute, these are pigs. My rabbi told me all my life not to eat pigs, much less hang around pigs. What am I doing here? This is mud. Ooh, what is that? Hunger pain. <laughs> I don't like this. So he began to see all this. You know how we know this? Because he talks about how his stomach was longing to eat something. He talks about how he was in, in the middle of pigs and they were eating and he was not eating. He talks about how he lost everything. Have you ever lost everything? Everything. He lost it. It's not a good feeling. <laughs> so he lost everything, went bankrupt, rejected his father, his family, eating with pigs, hanging around with the pigs. So all this he's observing. That's why he said, man, this is not good. Oh, my God, I, and I regret the decision that I made. I'm so sorry. You see, so this is the situation that a lot of you have already experienced and some of you need to experience <clears throat> in order to be broken. God knows exactly what to bring our way. And God knows exactly what people to bring our way to make your life miserable. Not to harm you, but to break you. For one purpose... To bring you back to the Father. Amen. To trust him again. Okay? So then he got up and went back to his father. You know what that is? That is the result of, be, of, of the repentance because we see now change of behavior. Before he was walking away from the Father. Now he's walking to the Father. So we see a change of behavior because it came because of repentance, which began with a change of his mind. He came to his senses. You see this? But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. Now here we see the love of the father because this man represents God the father. Okay? And was filled with compassion. For him, he ran to his son. You know why he ran to his son? Now, first of all, 
fathers, especially a father as dignified as this man was, owner of, of many servants and had many animals, had a mansion. He was a very dignified, wealthy man, and yet he ran. You know why he ran? Because he didn't want the village elders to get to him first before he did. Because if the village elders got to him before he did, he would be stoned to death. The law, which is the stone, because stone rocks represents the law, the law would get to him. So God said, no, I'm going to run to him. I want grace to get to him before the law gets to him. That's exactly what the Father did to us in Christ. He sent Christ and ran after us before the law judged us. <laughs> Grace reached us. That's why you're here today. And it's still reaching us, still working in us. Okay? He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and earth. He be, now he begins to recite <laughs> what he thought first, you know, he was going to say. I have sinned against heaven and earth and against you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick. Now, did you notice how the father cut his speech in half? Because he was actually going to say, I'm not worthy to be called your son. Make me one of like your hired men. So before he finished his speech, the father cut him off. Why? Because in the, in, the, in the kingdom of God, nobody, nobody is an orphan servant. Everybody is a son and daughter. So the father was saying, you will never assume a place that was never meant for you. In our house, you are a son. And I will always treat you. Even though you may not treat me as a father, I will always treat you as my son. Woo! Glory to God. Amen. <laughs> Woo! Hallelujah. How many times do we mistreat our father? By ignoring him, by not believing in him. And yet he still treats us like a son. Always. And daughter treats us that way. So what do we see here? We see a young man who is rebellious. Why? Because we see him throwing off all restraints to authority. He didn't want to be told what to do. Okay. We see a young man who is full of worldliness. He wanted to follow his natural desires and enjoy the sinful pleasures of the world. We see a young man full of independence. Uh, and this is a picture of how sin will work in your life to be independent of God. We see a murderer. Because when he asked for his inheritance, that inheritance would only come if the father had died. So we see him desiring his father's death. Okay? We see somebody who is wasteful. He wastes his father's inheritance on prostitutes, partying, you know, loses it all, okay? And the consequences of his sin 
is what? He loses everything. He is disgraced. We see him eating with the pigs and sleeping with the pigs. He's rejected. He has no food while the pigs have food. <laughs> and he descends. He descends from sonship to slavery. He becomes worse than slaves. Because <clears throat> slaves in his father's house had room. They had food. They had protection. They had everything. And he had nothing. Okay. And the turning point of his life, and this is key for all of you, because you, you, you must understand this if you want to experience continual repentance in your life, which is necessary for growth and power and change of behavior, okay? Number one, he came to his senses. Now you know, he understood, he saw, and he began to understand that he was not in a very good position, <laughs> to say the least. He understood that, okay? His eyes were opened. He began to see himself, his sin, his situation as it really was. A big mistake, okay? His heart was broken because he longed to go back to his father's house. So his heart wasn't drawn to the world and, the, and his desires for sinful living anymore. His heart was broken. Now he says, no, I, my father has so much for me. I need to go back to my father. That's brokenness. See, God wants that from us. Whenever we face trials, whenever we face problems, he wants our hearts to be broken to such a degree that we just draw back to him for support, for strength, for provision, for love, for power. Okay. You saw the surface sins. Surface sins are the sins that you can videotape with HD, <laughs> 4K. <laughs> it's the sins that you see in your behavior. He saw it. He also saw his heart sins, which was what? Worldliness, rebellion, murder, selfishness. He saw all that in his heart. He had no excuses. Oh, that I, could, I could stay on there for a long time. Because you will notice that people who don't repent are full of excuses. They justify themselves for their bad behavior. Oh, my God, I can stay on that one for the whole day. <laughs> if you want to know if you are unrepentant, look at your excuses for what you are and how you are. This young man had no excuses. He could have he said, the reason why I'm like this, God, is because of my older brother. He's always picking on me, bothering me, kicking me around, telling me what to do. So I'm abused. <laughs> I'm hurt. And it's his fault. And because it's his fault, and you put him in my life, therefore it's your fault. And my father gave him more love than, than me. I was always the kid that they would call last minute to help out and always ignoring me and never cared about me anyway. So might as well just leave anyway. And it's all your fault, God. He could have had all these excuses. What are your excuses? How many of your excuses do you throw at God? At others for your behavior. 
If you continue that way, you will never change. Because self-righteousness, self-justification, excuses will never change you. What will change you is repentance, brokenness before God, and his power will change you. But if you keep going around life complaining, accusing, judging, excusing yourself, then no change is going to take place. So God has to send (laughs) problems your way to break you. We see a plea for help. And then what happens is, in the end, he turns to God. Because he said, Lord, I have sinned against heaven, right? And against you. So he turns to God and he turns to his Father. Genuine repentance will always turn you to God and to the person you hurt or the people you hurt, if if there are people involved. It will never stay solo all by yourself. Okay? Now, do you need to occasionally repent? Do you need to live a repentant lifestyle? Let me look at some, <laughs> some habits, characteristics, attitudes that we have, just to name a few. Let's put that up on the screen. Do you lack prayer? Do you love making excuses? Do you desire to be first? Do you have an unthankful heart? When was the last time you gave God thanks for what you have? Do you deny yourself? Do you listen to people? Hmm? Are you harsh with your spouse? Do you encourage other people daily? Okay. Do you accept the opinion of other people? Want me to go on? Do you share the gospel with sadness or with joy? Do you waste time? Do you find refuge in work? <laughs> you still here? Do you speak evil about those who oppose you? Do you bring direction all to yourself? Are you unkind with your thoughts towards your enemies? Are you using your success to build your reputation? Do you complain under the slightest hardships? Do you cover your sin with doing or feeble apologies? Now, this is a big one because as Christians, when we know we've sinned, instead of confessing it and repenting from it, we'd rather pray more, do more, serve more to cover up. Considering yourselves more highly than others, (laughs) lusting after what we don't have, wandering eyes, not challenging evil in this world, being indifferent. Oh, there's so much. (laughs) Excessive use of money for pleasure and comfort. Passing judgment on others in our thoughts and speech. Thinking that someone else needs the gospel more than you. Bragging about yourself rather than about what Jesus has done for us. Anger, despising, contempt, that's disrespect. And hatred for those who are at odds with us. 
You ever dislike people because they don't agree with you? Treating our kids as if they were bigger sinners. <laughs> this is just a few. This is, I, I wanted you to see this. Because I wanted you to see what 1 John chapter 1, verse 8 says. If we say that we have not sinned, we, make, we deceive ourselves and make ourselves liars. So this is a list of a few things that I wanted to show you to prove to you how in need of Jesus we are. And how in need of not just repenting occasionally, but living a lifestyle of repentance. We need to. If you understand this, it's going to lead you to brokenness. It's going to lead you to a place where you're going to not just, not only trust in Jesus every day more for your life, but be grateful for him. Be thankful for him. Thankful that in spite of all these sins and more, he still loves you, cares about you, and calls you son and daughter. In Romans 2, 4, it says, it is the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. So you need to understand that unless you believe that your heavenly Father is loving and kind towards you always, you always repent. That product, you will never repent. That prodigal son understood his father. He knew that his father was kind. That's why he went back. So you need to understand today that your father is kind. And he loves you. He knew exactly what he was getting when he saved you. And he is for you, not against you. But you do yourself a great disservice if you don't understand that in order for you to experience transformation from him, it's going to require you understanding the gospel's teaching about true repentance. Which is exactly what I taught you today. So leave here today humbled, but grateful. Leave here today knowing that you are a big sinner, but he is a big God. Okay? As long as you know that you're a big sinner, you're going to be changing. God's going to be changing you quickly. Because you're going to, as, the, as, as um, John said, John the Baptist, may he increase and may I decrease. Understanding our badness is a quick way for us to decrease. And say, man... If it weren't for the grace of God, I wouldn't be here. Exactly. You got it, brother. And that will lead you to be thankful and to rely and depend on that grace every day of your life. <laughs> Amen? That will change your behavior. So, do you receive this today? <laughs>